Hi, I'm Alicia Atchison. I'm vegan, an animal lover, and animal rights activist. Many people say that becoming vegan is one of the best decisions they have made in life. I'm here to share my guest stories on their choice to live a kind life and what it means for them to be vegan. Welcome to A Kind Life. Today, I'm very grateful to have Emma Harkinson. How are you going, Emma? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. I'm really pleased to have you here. Um, Just for listeners, I suppose, I came across you recently. I saw on Animals Australia, there was a mini documentary called Willow and Claude, which I'm sure we'll touch on at some point. But I uh, RSVP to that event and was just absolutely inspired and in awe of what you've been doing. So I can't wait to share your story with listeners. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What gets you up in the morning? Thank you, firstly. I'm Emma and the thing that gets me up in the morning probably is actually a sense of duty to make the world a better place so for the planet itself and for everyone living on it regardless of their species and I think that duty comes out of like a genuine sense of care and love for everyone living here Um, and more directly I get up to feed the dog that I live with and to cuddle her, which is like a mini version of that care that I have for animals, I suppose. (laughs) I love it. And so I guess tell us a little bit about your upbringing, your history, like, you know, I suppose how you've got to this point in your life. I think I, given now my work is definitely in the broader social justice sphere, but with a very intentional focus on non-human animals because they're often left out of that broader social justice arena. Um, And I always thought of myself as an animal lover, but my actions definitely didn't always line up with that idea. And so I was living in Sweden at the time with my cousins on exchange when that first kind of clicked for me. I, it's culturally acceptable and just very normal in Sweden to eat deer and moose, whereas that's not so much the case here. And so I was doing that there, even though it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable and I thought it was a bit weird. And so I think that was the first time I really connected with the fact that we actually eat and wear animals. And of course, I already knew that, but there's a difference between kind of, you know, just understanding that beef is a cow and really connecting with that. And so when I made that connection, I decided that if I thought it was weird or wrong to eat a moose, I should feel the same way about wearing a cow or anything else like that. So a year later, I was completely vegan because it took a bit of time, you know, to learn about the issues with dairy and wool and all of that kind of thing. And so when I knew about that, I suppose I just wanted to do things about it. So I started going to demonstrations and working for some different um, animal rights organisations as a volunteer. And at the same time, I was modelling and understanding some of the ethical like labour rights issues in fashion. So eventually all of those things kind of came together and now I work to create ethical fashion through a non-profit. Wow. And so there's a few things in there that I'd like to, I suppose, understand. Like... Were you raised, were you born and raised in Sweden or did your family have background and you just returned as part of school? Like how did that happen? Yeah, so I was actually born in England just because my parents were working there. My mum's Australian and my dad is Swedish. So he moved here to be with my mum and I just went to Sweden because I have always felt very connected to it and to the family that still lives there. So I was staying there to learn the language and just be there, I guess. Yeah. 
And so when you decided to go vegan, what was your family's reaction? I'm guessing that's quite a culture shock for them. I think, yeah, my dad was definitely the most surprised by it. My mum, even growing up, was really passionate about animals and kind of helped rescue dogs and do all that sort of thing. So actually, as soon as I told her I didn't want to eat animals anymore and explained it very briefly, she was like, oh, that makes sense. And she did it too. So that was really great because it meant that, you know, I was still living at home and she was then cooking for us and that was a huge support. So I was actually, I was really lucky. Yeah. And what age were you when you went vegan? I was 15 when I stopped eating animals other than fish because it took me a little bit longer to like just realise that fish were animals as well. Um, and I was vegan by the time I was 16. Yeah, Wow. And so that would have been during your schooling? Yes. Yeah. And so you mentioned in that as well that you were involved in modelling. Was that at the same time? Was that sort of in your teenage years? Yeah, I started modelling through an agency when I was about that kind of age. And it was interesting because as much as I've always enjoyed fashion and the aesthetic side of it and the creativity of it, I was becoming more conscious of my values at the same time as coming into this industry that often has very little values around how animals are treated, how humans are treated and how the planet is treated. So that became a little bit of a problem for me, kind of navigating how the two were going to coexist. Um, and then I ultimately decided that, you know, I can't justify continuing being in the fashion industry unless I do it in a way where I'm, you know, working to make the fashion industry better and more ethical. Yeah. And so how did you start that journey? Originally it just started by saying that I wouldn't model for any brands that were using leather or wool and that I wouldn't wear those materials and that I didn't want to wear clothes that were made in a sweatshop, which in itself was quite complicated and my modelling agencies definitely didn't completely understand what I was doing, just thought I was losing the money. But after that, I decided that there was a place for an ethical production agency that was producing content for the brands that are doing good things so that they can market themselves as well as the brands that aren't doing very good things but that have huge amounts of money to play with. So it went that way first and then I started volunteering and doing more work in the nonprofit space and I realised that that was more where I wanted to be. What was the reaction from, you know, people within that or like within that industry when you were quite vocal about, you know, your values and not wanting to contribute to suffering? I think at first it was quite understood in that people were like, oh, you know, we know some models who won't take part in any of the spring fashion stuff around horse racing or we know models who wear fur and I was like great but it was seen as sort of like an unnecessary step too far to also not wear leather or wool or down or silk and all of that sort of thing but that's just because people don't you know understand the industries and that there really is no difference between wearing fur or wearing any other animal. Yeah. And would you say you at any point found that that may have lost, you know, lost income for yourself or, you know, jobs were turned away because of that? Well, I definitely, when you're with a modeling agency, you get emails about like, this is the brand, this is the job, you know, here it is. And the majority of the emails 
I would look at the brand and be like, I can't do this because it doesn't work. So yeah, it was definitely a challenge. Um, and so originally when I, I moved to Sydney after I finished school, because modeling is kind of more of a thing there, I guess, in some ways. And I was modeling full-time effectively. And then I actually had to leave the agency because they thought it was a little bit too difficult. So I worked at a call center for a bit while I just worked out how I could do what I wanted to do ethically. So yeah, it definitely changed my path, but I'm very happy that it did. Yeah. And so tell us then about your move towards your, the founder of Collective Fashion Justice. So tell us about that. Like, I suppose, how did you come up with the idea and, you know, why are you so passionate about this? Before I was doing Collective Fashion Justice, I was working at Animal Liberation Victoria and I was doing producing campaigns there and some of them were related to fashion and some of them weren't but I think I realized through that work that because fashion is something that's important to me I felt it was something that I could you know give greater value to I could better change the fashion industry than the food industry basically and I also thought that um if we were to change the fashion industry I would need to kind of appear more within the fashion industry because the fashion industry is very driven by aesthetics and you know who's who and so coming from an animal rights group it wasn't going to do as much and so collective fashion justice is positioned as a part of the fashion industry we love fashion we just need it to be total ethics fashion that is you know one of my board members, Joshua Catcher, who's an amazing vegan designer and writer and um, lecturer, he often talks about, you know, the beauty of the garment has to match up with the beauty of how it's made. And so that's a big thing for us. Yeah. Could you just explain for people that may not have come across your organisation, I suppose, a bit of a snapshot about what you're working towards, what your ultimate aim is? Yeah. So basically our goal is to create a total ethics fashion system. So for us, that means a system that values and protects the life and well-being of all animals, so humans and non-humans, as well as the planet before profit. And we use the term total ethics because people often talk about ethical fashion, but it's been used so often that what ethics mean is sort of lost, I suppose. And so something can be labelled ethical fashion because it's made by someone who's treated fairly and yet it's made from an animal who's been slaughtered. Or it can be the opposite where it's a vegan product but it's made by a child who's being exploited and neither of those things are genuinely ethical. So we're trying to, yeah, build a system that sees that all of those things are important. Yeah. And what, like, what organisations or, you know, are you working with to try and achieve this goal? So at the moment, I guess a few things that we have been working on, we just had the film Willow and Claude come out and that is about some of the issues with wool as well as some of the issues with other alternatives to it that also are ethical. So synthetics that shed microplastics or cotton that's farmed with the use of child labour or unsustainable practices. And we also look at one you know, positive way forward, which is with more sustainably grown Australian cotton. So we worked, we had some support from the Australian cotton industry there. We also had support from on the wool side of things. We also worked with Abillion, which is an app where 
basically every review of a vegan product, they donate a dollar to an animal sanctuary, which is really cool. So we've worked with them. We've worked and continue to work with the Animal Justice Party and Andy Medic, who's an MP there, to ban fur. And we have a sustainability report in collaboration with the Centre for Biological Diversity coming out soonish, and that's about wool again. And I think, you know, from having watched Willow and Claude, it sounded like there was a lot of things you were really surprised to learn, like when you started to research and delve into what goes on. I mean, I know you were very aware of the wool side of things, but in terms more, I suppose, of like cotton and the industry within Australia, I guess, is there anything, like how did you find working with these industries when you have such different values, I guess? I think it is important to try to find what we have in common and I think a lot of people we have heaps in common um and so there was definitely even though cotton is a plant and they're plant-based farmers ultimately you know a lot of the cotton industry might also be farming cattle or something else which wasn't the case with Renee the farmer that I was working with but there was some hesitancy I guess and I think I just you know explained my position and they didn't necessarily agree, but they respected that I was trying to do something that I thought was more ethical and sustainable and they're trying to do the same. And so that aligned in that sense. And yeah, I think it's, I've spoken to people and had conversations that I otherwise wouldn't have had. And so been able to build a greater network for this total ethics fashion movement by working with people who aren't necessarily like the most obvious collaborators. Yeah. So it's obviously been a great way that moving forward you're going to be able to continue to work with them potentially on other projects as well that you know still meet that get that ultimate aim of total ethics fashion yeah for sure yeah for people that haven't seen willow and claude like i guess if you're happy just to have a little chat about yeah how that was made and where people are able to um view that so willow and claude which is named after two um, lambs, the first two lambs that I ever fostered who were rescued in the winter lambing season, which there's a lot of information about that in the film and in general on the website, which is willowandclawed.com. And the film, yeah, it looks at what ethical knitwear is and how it can be made. And it starts with me realising everything that's wrong with the wool industry through getting to know these lambs on a personal level and then saying, okay, well, so what will I wear instead? And finding that there are a lot of other ethical issues too. And so ultimately getting to this total ethics um, solution with Cotton Australia at the end. And what I was really interested to know, like what's your involvement been? I'm guessing um, you said that you fostered Willow and Claude. Um, is that with a certain animal organisation? Like are you happy to share your experiences you've had with, with fostering lambs? A good relationship with both Lamb Care Australia and Victorian Lamb Rescue. They both do really amazing work caring for lambs who have been orphaned or neglected Um and so I have fostered a few lambs through there and also rescued some lambs. And, yeah, I think they do incredible work and it's definitely something that a lot of people would want to support. I mean, I have personally a little bit of involvement with lambs, but for the general population that may not, I guess what was involved physically for you in fostering? Basically, you know, providing a temporary home until lambs are in their forever home that is, you know, not in the city where they have more space to 
enjoy their lives. But lambs are so fragile when they're little, especially when they've been rescued from poor conditions. So they need constant attention. They need milk feeding. They need to be warm all the time. Some of them, you know, have health issues that need to be monitored. So it is it is having a little baby. It's just a lamb baby. So, yeah. And do you still, are you able to visit Willow and Claude at their forever home? Yeah, they're both at a sanctuary together with a few other animals that I've also cared for and rescued. They're with a goat called Atlas and cows called Elira and Malayla, some turkeys. There are a whole bunch of animals I've been lucky to have in my life at the same place. Yeah, how beautiful. That's amazing. You can still follow their journey and be a part of their life, which would be very rewarding, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's lovely. And it's nice seeing how confident they are in themselves. Yep. Is there any other sort of ways, I suppose, that you are quite active in the vegan movement or with animal rights activism? Is there anything else you'd like to share? Other than my work in collective fashion justice, I also write a lot. I write for a whole lot of different publications online, but I also have two books coming out in the next two years and they're around the animal rights topics and how they fit into the broader social justice space. So writing is definitely for me a really important form of activism and, you know, I support other organisations and there are heaps of my friends work for different organisations so we're always supporting each other's goals because they're the same ultimately so yeah yeah and you said before that you have worked with animal justice party is that something that you wanted to have a chat about at all like there was it a specific project you were saying against fur yeah so we've been working with andy medic and his team to try to get fur banned in the city of melbourne and ultimately the state of victoria um a big issue here is actually that not only fur is still sold but it's often sold in a really misleading way where it's actually labelled as fake fur. So people think that, you know, they're doing the right thing, they're buying something that isn't born of animal cruelty and it's actually the opposite. And so that's a huge problem because not only is there the option for people to choose something violent, people are accidentally making that choice. So we're trying to make that ban happen and it's, you know, it's a big goal so it's slow progress but... It is going well. And is there anything that people can do, like listeners or the general public can do to support these types of campaigns that you're working on? On our website, collectivefashionjustice.org and our Instagram, which is the same handle, we have heaps of pages which outline basically the problems associated with every animal-derived material And we also, for some of them, have action pages related. So we have a page all about fur, but we also have a ban fur page, which has, yeah, action links, like a petition and things like that. Yeah, cool. And if people, I suppose for some people, when they first start to learn about what goes on and, you know, how animals are involved or the suffering of animals is involved in the fashion industry, what would you say would be some ways for people to start? Because I suppose it could seem quite overwhelming initially to make sure that you're, you know, ticking all the boxes and getting something that is completely ethical. Like what would you recommend for people? I think that the best thing people can do is ask questions because too often the reason that we're not buying ethically made things is because we're not thinking about it. We just see something that's nice and that's sort of it. 
So I think some of the best questions that are more easy to ask than others that are more complicated and that, you know, I had to learn to ask over a lot of time are A, just asking if something is free from animals and if it's not asking why not. It's good to ask if the people who made the clothes have paid a living wage and it's good to ask brands why they consider their materials sustainable and how can they actually back that up because it's the same with you know brands that sell high welfare wool or things that are claimed like that they often even if they are certified like that they often don't actually know really anything about what's happening in their supply chains so just like we as people have to ask questions brands have to ask questions too and so asking brands questions is a really good way for them to realize that actually maybe they're not doing the best that they could yeah and so would you suggest that's you know doing more research prior to going and like going into a store it would actually be like contacting them physically first and asking these questions yeah and I think brands that are doing the right thing are normally they've worked really hard to do that and so they'll have information on their website and I think that's a really great place to start so find brands that do have information on their website there's a directory called good on you where you can find if a brand is vegan and also how they rank in terms of sustainability and human labor ethics so that's a good place to look but yeah brands will tell you if they're doing the right thing and if they're not you can ask more questions, but often there's a reason why they're not talking about it. Yeah, silence tells you something. Totally. <laughs> and so um, I guess something else I'd just be interested to understand from your perspective is are you hoping at some point there might be some kind of like accreditation or labelling system that makes it a bit easier for the consumer to understand when they're purchasing something? Yeah, so at some point... It's definitely down the line because it's an expensive thing, but we would like for collective fashion justice to have something like that because a lot of people do have that question. But also ultimately it would be fantastic for there to be, you know, legislation and policy where brands actually have to say more about how their clothes are made and what goes on behind that label. So almost like food labelling, you're thinking something along the lines of fashion labelling. Yeah, exactly. And is there anything sort of coming up? I know you mentioned your books that are going to be launched in the next few years. Is there anything else you're working on either personally or within your career that you would like to share? So there's the books, there's things coming out with collective fashion justice all the time. Like soon we have a total ethics fashion primer, little free resource booklet coming out. So that's exciting. And in a less non-human animal world, I also have some really exciting work coming next year with the Australian Childhood Foundation, which is another kind of topic I'm really passionate about. So there's lots of things. Yeah. And I notice as well on your personal like Instagram, um, you're always, I suppose, very prominent in terms of, um, you know, incorporating the animal rights messaging. Is that something you find that people are quite receptive of through your social media? Do you find you get a great response from that or do you often sort of get some negativity? I think a lot of the people who follow me follow me because they are either, you know, feel the same way as me or learning about that sort of thing. So it's positive. But there's definitely always, like I said, you know, animals other than humans aren't necessarily always considered in the wider social justice movement. So there can be some tension there. But I think that that's 
kind of the most important place to have those discussions because if people are already open to ideas around like liberation and freedom and respect then it's not so much of a big jump to just extend those ideas to other animals. And would you be happy if anyone had any questions? Are you happy for them to reach out through your social media? Is that way the best way to contact? Yeah, definitely. I have um, my Instagram and I also have a website, emmaharkinson.com.au, and I have like a little contact form there so people can reach me very easily. Yeah, amazing. I'll link that. And also I'll link the Good On You website as well into the show notes. Um, there's lots of resources, like you said, your the website, your personal website, your social media. There's a whole plethora of resources that we can share with people, which is great. And is Willow and Claude now available for people to view on the website? I know initially it was a premiere, but I think you were saying now it's going to be, it's completely online. Yeah, now at willowandclaude.com, there's the film. There's a whole lot more kind of additional information for people who want to know more after the film. And there's also the knitwear made from Australian cotton that's Ethical Clothing Australia accredited and that supports the nonprofit work available to buy. And is that, I did notice um, as well, you've been recently sort of, um, I suppose, giving a lot of information about that through the social media. Is that something, is that sort of like limited edition or is it something that you're going to be trying to continue on? It's definitely limited edition because we're a nonprofit rather than a, a brand. It's more a proof of concept to show that it is possible to make things that are sustainable and ethical and animal free. So there's a really small amount of them. Yeah, get in while you can is what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah. And so just before we finish up, Emma, is there anything, any like advice or anything that you wanted to give we might have missed up until this point? No, I think, you know, the themes I've touched on, but I do think it's really important to connect with and consider other people who, you know, are in the social justice movement. And even if they don't have the exact same focus as you, we're all, you know, ultimately we're all fighting oppression. And so it's really valuable to connect with people and to see what you have in common with them and how you can support their work and how they can support your work, even if it's something that, you know, neither of you have considered before. Yeah. I think it's a great example that, you know, like you said, you may not have always had the same values with some of the people or organisations you've worked with, but you're working towards an ultimate goal and being able to work together to, to have something that shows that it's possible is a really great way forward. Yeah, for sure. And do you happen to have a favourite quote that you would like to share as we finish up the episode? I don't know if I have a favourite quote of all time, but I have a quote that, you know, is sitting quite strongly with me at the moment, which is from Angela Davis, who is an amazing social justice advocate in the race and prisons area, but is also actually vegan. Um, And the quote is that you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world and you have to do it all the time. Yeah, that's great. It's um, very fitting. So thank you so much for being here today, Emma. I really appreciate you sharing not only your personal journey, but also the journey of, you know, your work and, and what the future is. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. I would love to hear from you if you've been inspired by this episode or if you have any requests for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at a kind life. Remember, be kind to your body, kind to animals and kind to our planet. Take care.